Hey, you, dare to think. Y'all ready to get funky? Pizza's great, but it's not the gospel. Welcome to the campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Zill. Warning, the show might trigger you. You don't love the gospel. Hey, who let the campus pastor loose in the studio again? Zilly Zilly. Here today in the Student Union, the new managing editor for the Lutheran Witness, Reverend Roy Askins. How are you doing today, Roy? Doing well. How are you doing today, Pastor Zell? I am doing fantabulous. It's my my favorite non-word. At least I think it's a (laughs) non-word. Is that a word? Do you know? (laughs) I don't know if it's a word. I used to wish people, whenever they ask how I was doing, blessed confabulations. And those are the lies we tell ourselves about what the other people were doing while we were uh, off not having spending time together. So (laughs) I always say blessed confabulations. Well, welcome. Uh, good to have you with us today. You wrote an article this last week that mm-hmm. I, th- I, man, I got to have this guy on. This was great. But first, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Uh, maybe a little bit about your new position. Sure. So uh, as I like to say, I am a husband of one and father of seven now. Wow. So uh, wonderful blessings. Yeah, you got to get that latest. right. It would sound bad if you were the husband of seven yeah. and father of one. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah, so I gotta that would, that would make be sure I get that all lined up. Yeah. Yep. So, so we uh, seven children. Our seventh was born this last January here in the U.S. It's been a wonderful 14 years uh, being married to my wife. So before that, however, I went to a Concordia, Wisconsin, pre-sem, then went to seminary, mm-hmm. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, and then served in Livingston, Texas, a small little town just north of Houston. And then from there, the Lord sent us to Asia. We lived for about four and a half, five years between Hong Kong and Taiwan, serving, at the time I served as a communications manager for the Asia region, which meant I traveled all over Asia, but we, we lived in Hong Kong and Taiwan. Um, really great opportunity in Taiwan. Eliza and the children learned Mandarin Chinese. Wow. Uh, made friends, yeah, which is an incredibly difficult language to learn. Sure it um, is. And they actually did a great job in about a year and a half learning the language. So, Did you pick recently, up the language at all? I didn't, sadly, you know, and that's actually, I love the language. I love learning languages. Um, but because my role was such that I was traveling all over the place, um, it didn't make a whole lot of sense for me to spend a lot of time kind of learning one language. See, and most is, most of the Asia, people you're dealing with are missionaries and others that are that know English. Yeah. So. yeah so, and it, it's a different context. I mean, you go to places like South America or Latin America, most of them speak Spanish or some variant of Spanish. Oh, whereas. Sure. Whereas in Asia, I mean, the, the languages are so different in all the various countries that we work in that it's, you know, for a regional position, it's really hard to, to justify the, the time spent learning the language. However, it's a beautiful language. It's, it's a lot of fun to learn, and, and it's amazing to watch my kids. You know, whenever I needed to go get my camera fixed or something like that, I would take my <laughs> daughter with me, and here she would go, and she'd translate for me, you know, with the guy at the camera store. This is my dad. His English is very, or Chinese is very bad. And, uh, my dad is, that. how do you say, my dad's a little slow <laughs> in <laughs> <Yeah>. Chinese. <laughs> That's right. And, and of course, the, the locals just loved hearing that the kids say that their dad's Chinese is bad. And then she would translate back and forth for me. And in some ways, it really gives me a perspective. 
from being over there of what it's like to be an immigrant adult with children here in the U.S. and dealing with something similar where their children are translating for them and their children are assimilating into the culture more quickly than they are. And it's really kind of a fascinating dynamic. To, it's wow. really yeah, humbling experience. Well, what a great experience for you and your family. And, and now you've got a whole new task. Tell us about your job as the managing editor of the Lutheran so, Witness. Yeah, managing editor of the Lutheran Witness. So the Lutheran Witness um, is an amazing uh, opportunity to teach and share the message of Christ and Him crucified with the people of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. So the Lutheran Witness actually is a an English magazine that was started back in 1882. It is actually one of the oldest denominational magazine still in operation. Wow. Um, wow, that's LCMS old. That's a, what, 138 years? 138 years, yeah. Wow. We're coming up on 140, 150 years here in the next uh, two to 12 years, yeah. Wow. And so, you know, at the LCMS, we always loved publishing things. I mean, one of the first things that Walther did is start Der Lutheraner, the German version, back in 18... Sure. 30, 40, something like that. And actually, we I don't know if you know this, we actually continued to publish the German version of Der Luther Honor all the way up until the 1970s. Did you I know that? I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I just expected that, you know, after World War II, or actually at the Madonna World War II, you just kind of stopped doing all the German things, right? Wow. Um, but we continued to publish the German edition of, of Der Luther Honor until the 1970s. But wow. the Lutheran Witness was actually started by the Evangelical Lutheran Synod in 1882. And then when they were incorporated into the LCMS as the English district uh, in 1911, 1912, uh, it became the responsibility of the LCMS to take over the Lutheran Witness. So we've continued to publish it ever since uh, 1911 or so. So well, you've got big um, shoes to fill. Do you enjoy the editing process and writing and all that kind of stuff? I do. I do. I enjoy it a, a lot. It's it's definitely a challenge. Um, it's a challenge, you know, working with authors sometimes. Uh, it's a challenge working with all the things that happen with uh, publishing articles and making sure they're clearly written and understandable. But I, it's actually been a pleasure and a delight. I People ask how it's going, and I tell them that I'm having more fun than being should be allowed to have. There you go. It's an absolute blast. So we have oh. some great things coming up with the Lutheran Witness, and I'm really excited about the opportunities we have coming, we're going to see a definite uh, focus on teaching and educating the church, a focus on the return to the scriptures and, and studying the scriptures there in the Lutheran witness, getting back to the basics of our, our Lutheran doctrine, Lutheran teachings. So, Absolutely. Pretty exciting. Hey, just so you know, this coming year uh, will be the 100th anniversary of campus ministry in the Synod. No way. It'd be really cool to have a, some sort of a campus ministry related something to, to kind of honor the 100, 100 years. That'd be pretty cool. I am all over that. Let's do it. All right. See, great decisions. Thank you for <laughs> listening into our conversation. No, we'll, we'll talk about that soon. But um, where can people go if they want to order, if they're listening and they're like, hey, I want to get a cop? Where, where can they go to get a copy of the Lutheran Witness or order it? So if you want to order it, the, the Lutheran Witness is this unique uh, relationship between um, Concordia Publishing House and the LCMS. So even though I work for the LCMS, all the publishing and whatnot is done by Concordia Publishing House. So to actually access it or to, to subscribe to Lutheran Witness, you know, need to go to cph.org slash witness. Okay. And uh, you can find subscription information there. We have an online or a digital edition, but then really kind of our bread and butter is the print edition. We've got an amazing design team that does an incredible job they are very good. putting this thing together. Yeah, yes. they're incredible. So and then uh, and then we have extras. If you go to um, witness.lcms.org, there's some online extras that we publish, which is where 
um, you can find the article that I wrote that we're going to oh, talk about today. Yeah, and I will make sure I put links to all of this in the notes in the archives. But Excellent. enough of this great stuff. Let's talk about the plague. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the title of your article is, uh, and in all seriousness, when you can't flee the plague. And, uh, yeah. you know, obviously people are concerned right now, the whole coronavirus situation. Um, and, of course, those in our, you know, com- our college communities are not are not immune, pun, I guess, mm-hmm. sort of intended. Um, you know, the we're starting to get a little nervous about places of of com where people gather in common and you know our churches mm-hmm. uh, sporting events i know in italy right now their their sporting their soccer leagues um are playing um they banned fans and they're just playing games in empty stadiums oh you, my goodness. uh this is uh getting you know so everybody on college is a little concerned about this too and of course uh you know, um, we don't, we're not trying to compare the plague to, to COVID nineteen, right? But uh, mm-hmm. but there's a lot that we can learn. What what gave you the idea of doing this this article, and then we'll kind of walk through some of the the topics that you bring up in it. But sure. So the the article actually comes from the idea for the article comes from an an art uh, a letter an open letter that Martin Luther wrote to his buddy Johann Johann Hess, who was a pastor in Silesia. And at that time, the bubonic plague, which had a uh, hundred years previously, two hundred years previously, it had wiped out estimates as much as half the European population. Um, at that time, at Martin Luther's time, when he wrote this open letter, the plague was once again sweeping through, or passing through Wittenberg and Silesia. And his friend Johann Hess uh, asked him for advice on how to talk to his parishioners about the plague because what was happening is as the plague would come into town those who were wealthy and those who could afford to do so would flee the town go to the countryside um, and kind of wait for the plague to do its dirty business in the town and then uh, and then return later after the plague was gone and so i got to thinking about this and part of what actually makes covid19 a little more frightening is that we can't actually, in fact, flee from it. I mean, it's not yeah, actually, it's true. not nearly as bad, right? The, you know, the death rate of uh, the bubonic plague is, you know, 50% or higher, yeah. and COVID-19 is nothing like that. At the same time, part of the fear is that we can't actually run from it, you know? And so I got to thinking, well, is there anything we can learn from Martin Luther still, yeah. even though we have different circumstances? What are the things we can learn from Martin Luther from this open letter he wrote as we deal with this ourselves? You know, it's so true. Uh, on the one hand, technology has made it easier for us, but at the same time, the technology means that we're so reliant on, you know, flying all over the place and we're so interconnected. Well, that's actually a great point because a lot of the fear that's generated by this is not even necessarily fear about the disease itself. I mean, if you think about last week, the stock market had tanked three to 4,000 points. Yeah. People were more afraid really about their their ongoing you know, retirement portfolios, their ongoing employment. I mean, who knows what's going to happen to the economy? I mean, there's all sorts of fears that people have as a consequence of the fact that we're so interconnected. It's this kind of global economy thing. And all of these fears factor into it almost as much as, if not more than, fear about the disease itself. And it kind of underscores, too, about how, you know, back in the day during the bubonic plague, nobody anywhere outside of Europe knew it was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 we didn't have our technology, we'd be living our lives like the sparrows, not worrying about, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know what was going on in China, nor would, nor would anything from China have probably made its way over right. here. But um, yet, so, so now on the flip side, 
the double-edged sword of technology. Uh, we can hear about it 24-7, and it can ramp yep. up. Our, we already have a society. You know, I always tell people, um, and it always blows them them away, that 40% of our college – I don't like using statistics, Roy, unless they back up with what I already knew, <laughs> <laughs> which is how everybody uses them. But, <laughs> but some 40% of all – college age youth young people are diagnosed with some sort of anxiety or depression mm-hmm. and so uh, we are an anxious people period already mm-hmm. much less yeah. when we get bombarded with this this hyper you know cons- i've had people yeah. ask me since i'm deployed and i travel quite a bit so are you are you worried about travel uh, no um right. but there is there is a lot of anxiety out there and so let's let's talk about you know, I mean, so we can't flee this thing. I mean, right. we're going to have to deal with it. God willing, it won't be nearly as bad as as maybe our fears are, are thinking it might be. Um, but how do we as Christians live? How do we live our lives when we, we're concerned about something, but we can't flee from that something? Yeah, so um, I think one of the, the things is to reflect on kind of what it means. You know, we go around saying live like you're baptized, right? But what does that mean? In this context here, and I think one of it, these things is to realize where your comfort is, right? And once again, this gets back to our fears. We look at our fears, whatever our fears. Well, we could get the disease, we could die, our retirement portfolio could tank, we could, you know, parents could get fired, you know, whatever it might be. You have all these fears coming up. The fact of the matter is, which of these touch our eternal well-being, right? I think I ended the article saying something like. Don't fear him who can destroy body and soul, or body, but worry about him who can destroy both body and soul in, in hell, right? So the fact of the matter is the one who can destroy body and soul in hell is the one who went to the cross and died for me that I might be his child. Is something as minor as COVID-19 going to separate me from him uh, eternally? Of course not. Absolutely he he not. chose me. He loves me. He, he baptized me in the waters of holy baptism and made me his child. I have nothing to be afraid of. That's the confidence we have when we say, live like you're baptized. Live in the confidence of who you are as a child of God. Now, on the flip side, this doesn't mean the fears necessarily go away. No. Um, of course, it's something you have to continue to deal with and continue to struggle with. But it's something that, that's why we do these reminders of baptism. That's why we make the sign of the cross when we get up in the morning. That's why oftentimes, you know, especially if your congregation has the baptismal font as you walk in the church, you dip your fingers in the water. It's a reminder of who you are, that you have been washed in those waters, and that you are that child of God, and you don't have to fear. And these reminders are good for us to help us keep this at the forefront of our minds. You sure. know what I mean? No, and, and you know, I, I always explain it um, that uh, we live our lives as, as baptized people, as those who are walking wet. Um, yeah. We we never we 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 were constantly we're, we're we are a wet people. We we are our reminders of our baptism are, are need to be everywhere. And you know when you sing like uh, God's own child, I gladly say it. And you're like, hey, death, you can't end my gladness. That's right. You know, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> I well, baptized into Christ. Does, I, I I may have paraphrased that a little bit wrong. But you, you ever notice when you sing that, you know, hey, death, you cannot end my glad, you know, it's like, boom, right. you know, you can't sing that song without kind of like, kind of like giving a little, you know, giving a little, it's like you're, you're chirping at the world saying, you know what, you can't yeah. touch me. Yeah, and this is this is in Luther's letter. He makes the same point too. He says, part of what Satan's doing when he gives these plagues is to induce fear in us. This is what he wants to do, right? Sure. And of course, as you mentioned at the, in, the, in kind of the intro 
of this uh, discussion. He's done a good job of this with technology. He makes sure that we see this all the time to try to induce this fear in us. And so living like you're baptized is spitting in Satan's face and saying, you know what, I'm not afraid of this. Uh, Luther has this great quote. He says, send these fears right back to the devil, right? Send these terrors right back to him. I'm a child of God. I have nothing to be afraid of. Absolutely. So, you know, and you know, sometimes we view these things as, you know, people will ask, well, where's God? We haven't, I haven't really heard that quite yet, but where's God in all this? Why isn't God stepping in? Can't God, well, of course he can stop it. But to a certain degree, um, we also have kind of a, you know, we always see, you know, we always know, say that God works through opposites in a lot of ways. And in this instance, we have a chance to, to really reflect on, you know, we sing about death, not being able to end our gladness and that, you know, that, that Satan can't touch us. And here we have living, a living reminder, um, an opportunity to kind of flex our, our spiritual muscles in response to this that have been given to us by God. And so yeah. so we we have really a lot of blessed opportunities, which kind of gets to the next point. So, okay, live like you're baptized, so we can't run away from it. We live like we're baptized. What does that have to say about what we do in the meantime? Because the rest, it seems to me there's a lot of opportunity here too, because people will look at us as Christians, and for you, those of you that are students on campus like, Hey, how come those Christian students aren't? How come these Christians aren't freaked out by this? Mm-hmm. We have a chance to really witness to this. So, what does this say about our vocations and how we spend our time, given what we're facing? Sure. So, this is kind of the key point in Luther's letter: was he was talking to these to Johann Hess and, and everybody who was reading this about one's vocation in the face of of these kind of plagues and disasters. And he was talking about the responsibility that you have within this vocation. So he starts off by talking about um, pastors and uh, local governments and those who work, uh, who have businesses and whatnot, and how within this vocation they have responsibilities to do what they're supposed to do. So pastors, you have to stay and prepare and help prepare these people to die in the faith, right? You have to stay and, and be there at the deathbed and bury them. And, and yeah, this might mean exposure to the disease, but this is the vocation God has give you, given you and now live within this vocation. Same thing with like the government. Obviously, the government has responsibilities for ensuring the safety and health of people. Or, or and, like maybe the most, most uh, the, the biggest example, when you think about 9-11 with all the firefighters yeah. and first responders running exactly. into the building. You yeah. know, it doesn't, doesn't help much when we pastors and, and others kind of like... Uh, you know, head off to uh, Saskatchewan. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And so uh, now he does, he does leave, Luther does leave a place for those who are weak. And he says, as long as you ensure that your vocation is cared for, that somebody's there doing your responsibilities, well, then certainly, yeah, you can flee and, and go if you just are too weak to do it. But you have to ensure that your, your vocations are cared for. Now, he also expands these vocations beyond just pastors in the government, but he says we even have a vocational responsibility to our neighbor, right? So if your neighbor's sick and all the doctors are busy and you, the neighbor, you know, you have a, a an older lady or somebody next door and you need to, she has nobody to help care for her, you have a duty and an obligation to care for this woman, uh, even though you could flee in other circumstances. So, but it, he really locates this whole thing in terms of vocation and your responsibilities within that vocation. You know, husbands care for wives and children and so forth, that sort of a thing. Well, um, and even, you know, students on a college campus, the, the things, 
the opportunities that we have in just our vocation as neighbor uh, to those in our communities who will be, you know, we, we have the benefit of being able to live radically like we're baptized because we are mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not, yeah. we we when maybe we don't have to, we're not forced to think about it all the time and, and and again god willing disclaimer again you know we're hoping that this doesn't come to to, to yeah. these kinds of levels but the bottom line is we really can leave we can live that free but there's a lot of people that are are much more fearful than we are because they don't have the hope in them that we do exactly Exactly. We don't face those, you know, as, as St. Paul says, you don't mourn with those as, as those who don't hope. We don't face this as those without hope. We face these, uh, these disease, this disease, this illness, whatever it might be, as those who have the hope, uh, hope in Jesus Christ. Exactly right. So, uh, Pastor Askins, are you saying that, uh, hey, we can just go out there and, and, <laughs> and be wild and free and not worry about it? And uh, so, lick, all, lick everything in sight and <laughs> say, hey, screw you, Satan, you're not going to get me? You know, Luther addressed this too. And it's like he, he got all this stuff, you know, like he lived in the midst of this or something. So, um, you know, he said there were actually people that he addressed this letter to that actually did have that perspective. The idea was, well, you know, God's going to take me when he's going to take me. So I can just live without worrying about the what the doctor says or anything like that because, you know, when my time comes, my time comes. And Luther says, no, this is not, uh, this is testing God is what this is doing. Right. We, I just preached. Um, on Jesus' temptation and testing God, and mm. and you know you shall not test the Lord your God. Right. Jesus tells, uh, quoting obviously Deuteronomy, and and that's what that's doing. At the same time, it's also putting others in, in harm's way. You know, your family, your friends, those within your dorm, whoever it might be. Um, by doing these things, you actually not only test God, but put others in potential harm's way, and that's of course a violation of our of our vocation to our neighbor as well. Well, and so, just, just as we don't we don't seek martyrdom, we don't seek disease right. either. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, that's something we have to, you know, listen to your doctor, you know, take your medicine, show that appropriate uh, wisdom in terms of living and just general common sense, wash sure. your hands, that kind of a thing. But in addition, um, in addition to those things, and those are all important reminders, um, you know, what about our spiritual lives and, and, and taking care of ourselves? What Any final words for our students and others to consider in terms of that? Sure. So in, in, in the end, as I kind of wrapped up this article again, cling to Christ in all things. I mean, this is the final hope that we have. Cling to the one who suffered and died for you, right? So whether you live or you die, you belong to Christ and continue to cling to him and the hope and the forgiveness that he has given to you. Um, he has provided all things that you need and will continue to do so in whatever circumstances you are. And he was the one that can rescue you from whatever illness uh, you might have, whether it's um, one that's going to kill you now or one that's going to kill you in 80 years. Who knows, right? We're all going to die eventually of whatever it might be. And so cling to him and to him alone because he is the one that provides for every need of both body and soul. Absolutely. Yeah. And no matter what, um, this is not a time to give up the, the habit of meeting together, as the yeah. writer of the Hebrews says. So uh, hear God's word, receive his sacrament, be absolved, yeah. live in peace. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that actually is really important. I, and if we have time to add this on, it's really important to continue to meet together. I mean, I, I know we have this fear of, well, the whole bunch of people together, it's going to pass around. And maybe that's the case. But the fact of the matter is, the place where God is located himself for you is there in the gathering of his people as they hear the word proclaimed and his forgiveness delivered in word and sacrament. 
Abs- I mean, that's the one place where we can go where we know that this problem is taken care of eternally, right? Right, right there in the midst of this gathered saints. So do not neglect gathering together. Yeah, no. indeed. Absolutely. Well, wonderful words of wisdom uh, when you can't flee the plague or something less than it. And again, we hope that this uh, ends up being obviously way, way, yeah. way, way, way minuscule compared to that. Um, but Pastor Askins, great to be uh, with you here in the Student Union. Thank you for your interest in the young people of the church and for these uh, words of wisdom as well as of what you're doing in your position. We look forward to, to working and collaborating with you and hearing from you down the line. I look forward to doing more, too. I hope I get to come back to the Student Union again in the future. Absolutely. Take care. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.